0: Hey, this is Demarcus Scott, but with the I Know Nothing Project today, I have with me Mr. Austin Burns. I was waiting for you to introduce yourself.
1: <laughs> you that long to say my name?
0: <laughs> no, I was waiting for you to introduce yourself. <laughs> hoping you're going to take the spotlight away. But we are back again, and uh, this time we wanted to uh, fully eclipse and get the whole storyline of the Bible, which I failed to do previously. Uh, I think... This will be an excellent framework because we kind of work our way through the individual stories. Um, Sometimes you're going to see me solo uh, doing that because it's kind of easier to to do it solo because, um, I mean, I can do it any time of the day I want without having to just get people scheduled together. So that's why we're going to do that. That's why you may not hear from those guys on that side of it. But we're just going to walk through the entire Bible, get the whole framework of it, of what it is. Uh, what's being explored? Uh, who are the main characters? Plot conflicts and you know such and such. Uh, I know last time me Austin and Zach were together, we hit on how uh, you're not the you're not the main character of some kind of Disney story going on. You're not the you're not the hero. Uh, I think a lot of people when they read the Bible they try to insert themselves as the, a the hero. If they just do X Y Z enough, they're gonna they're gonna somehow get the magic genie of God to come out and bless and grant all their desires. But that's not the story of the Bible at all. Uh, we're really the side characters. We're gonna put it in a in a movie status, and uh, Jesus Jesus is the main character. He's the hero. He's the savior of all humanity. So we're gonna we're gonna kick it off. Uh, Austin, do you have anything to open us up with as we get into this?
1: Um... I mean, uh, again, just want to appreciate the opportunity to do this. I uh, just want to, um, you know, I'm really excited for uh, what we're gonna be discussing today. Um, and I'm just thankful, thankful to be here. And it's just so important to know, you know, you have to know the structure of the Bible in order to know the Bible, right? And to know the Bible is to know Jesus, because the beginning was the Word, um, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, um, so I think it's very important uh, not to just listen to the cool stories and, like you said, put yourself as the main character, um, but understand who the story is uh, is really pointing to. Um, and so, it's always important to remember that. So, I'm excited.
0: And uh, I forgot one crucial part that me and Austin need to do before we start this episode. So we're going to take a seamless little break here. You guys won't even notice it. Then we'll jump right into Genesis. So open your Bibles, prepare your hearts, uh, pray, and, and uh, let's get let's get ready. All right, We are back. Hopefully that was a seamless transition for you. Um, all right. So first page of the Bible. First page of the Bible. Uh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We all have some kind of understanding of that. Uh, the way the Bible is structured, God makes this uh, order out of all this chaotic stuff, bring forth life, and he crowns off his creation with the creation of human beings out from the dirt. i um, already jumping over to uh, verses 26, and, you know, what, again, God said, let us make man our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds in the air, over the cattle, all the creatures, all the keeping things. So already humanity has this 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 essence. They want to rule. Uh, they're, they're God's key capital over all the creation He just made throughout that whole chapter. So everything here on Earth is all for the humans. And Genesis two gets into how these humans were made a little bit. Um, God talks about how He draw these creatures up from the dirt, and He gives them the divine breath. And how Adam and Eve, they're how Eve was made out of the rib of Adam to be beside him. Uh, these two humans, when they get together, they're one flesh. It's a marriage covenant, so already you have the idea of uh, union and togetherness and and life and flourishing through through human beings right here. If you didn't know, Adam's Adam's name in Hebrew means a man, uh, so he's the he's the representative for man, uh humanity, and Eve is the is the mother of all living things. And it talks about how this awesome garden spot they are in uh, that has all this life and this flourishing. Now Austin, we're going to get to a little bit of the of the conflict what all went wrong what all what all went wrong. I think uh, a lot of us are familiar with this, and I, I'm gonna pass it to you, Austin. can you describe what ha- goes on to in genesis three from from your point of view of it? yeah,
1: yeah uh well, in simple terms, it's the fall of man right yeah, it yeah, is, it is uh it is man's beginning of man's rebellion to God best way to sum it up and uh does that kind of make sense like it is the first first time you know god had given creation all these things given man all these things that you just talked about and this is the first time man does opposite of what god wants i mean he simply says do not
0: eat this fruit and well let's, eat- let's 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 backtrack uh, all right there's there's where's is, what where is the what is the fruit and where is the mm-hmm. fruit coming from you mm-hmm. there's there's two trees described in the in the garden. And uh, starting in um, verse, but verse seventeen, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you shall surely die. Um, there's all sorts of plants and there's life, there's flourishing in this garden spot that we talked about uh, earlier, mm-hmm. and he's represented by or one spot that God tells humanity not to. Don't really know the reasoning behind that quite yet, but God gives an instruction. And we're led to believe that, um, that God is going to give humanity knowledge of good and evil, but how you get that knowledge is going to be a key factor in how the rest of this process is going to go through. So, um, verse 17 shows us like, Hey, they have this order. Don't eat the free, the, the tree of knowing good and evil. On that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. You shall surely die. So it seems like. If man goes against God's words here, at least immediately to death,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then jumping to like what you said, humanity they want to eat that apple, right? But why right. they want to eat that apple?
1: Right. And well, we can't forget that there's a serpent, a serpent also there, just saying yeah. like, ah, oh, you won't die. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like saying the complete opposite. And um.
0: And who is the who is the serpent here? We don't we yeah. don't quite know yet. Yeah. This right. Is, uh, right. Yeah, exactly.
1: Right. So you you have you have that that's also a factor and then like it just it just kind of shows like like god had made them how they were supposed to be but yet they were still curious about the idea of not listening if that makes sense like um and and you have to remember the serpent was a part of that too um and and like you said like I, i think you explained it perfectly like god is like if you disobey me in a sense like he's like if you disobey me like you will surely die right yeah. and that's one way to look at it and it just really shows like it really starts off how man is just so imperfect <laughs> and how man is very imperfect and how it will never be never be perfect um, so
0: uh, god makes everything good in the in the first two chapters gives humanity good instructions mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you see this serpent who is who's is cunning, as his verse uh, one of uh, chapter three says it's more cunning than any beast in the field which the Lord God had made, mm-hmm. and immediately he goes to undermine God's good creation. Here, he asks Eve, "No, did God really say you should not eat of oh, really? every tree in the garden?" And uh, and of course Eve is like hey, God said we can eat any tree, just not that tree. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the serpent just lies to her and and says that. You can, you will be like God actually if you eat it. So mm-hmm. this, this, this look to earth to to rebel against God is put into the minds of human by this crafting serpent, mm-hmm. who later on, as we get in further in this episode, is going to be picked up again of of how important the narrative this is. But um, just know in the beginning, uh, there is this undermining of evil here, right beside humanity to lead them to destruction.
1: Right,
0: and we see that that's the main cause. That guy wants to get
1: and, to, and not to forget in verse seven, it was the light to the eyes, it, you know. Yeah, it, it looked. It, it was the, it, it was desirable. Yeah, it was. Eat. It was. It was undermining, like you said, but there was also the, the want to from from Eve, um, and you know that's Adam's fault as well because it was just Yeah, wife. Of yeah. And so, uh, so it's it's a it's a matter of just like wanting what the eyes want, <laughs> you know. It's it's that's a part of it too, yeah. like, And just kind of wanting. And just following that deceitfulness,
0: starting in 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 uh, verse six of chapter three. So when the woman saw that tree was good for food, and it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and she ate, and she gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And then the eyes of the both were open, and they knew they were naked, and they were sewn fig leaves together to make themselves covering. Now, I, to to show you how the way the authors. Um, double layer ideas and it's way more profound than just around talking snake in a garden because obviously we know and they know that it's not average day that serpents just woke up to you and talk and start uh, trying to undermine uh, you know what God just told you Um, when the authors here are saying that they both knew they were naked and they both tried to hide from each other can you think of a moment in your life To where you didn't want the person beside you to know every single thing about you anymore. To where you didn't want them to see your flaws that you believed that you had. Or your failures. This is a, all throughout chapter 2, we saw how Adam and Eve, they were together with each other. They were perfectly fine being exposed. So not only naked is a way to show that they had no clothes on but how their bare personality and and all their longings out open with one another because they were perfectly united in one flesh. And now not only is the relationship damaged between those two, between husband and wife, we see how God's judgment on them, it also damaged their relationship between them. Uh, So Adam and Eve, they're going to get exiled out of the garden. But one very beautiful promise that's made in here, we're going to highlight, then we're going to kind of move fast. I know we took a lot of time and, in uh, the first three chapters of the Bible, we're going to be kind of quick hitting over the rest of it to just give a, uh, give a better framework. But this is so important to get in this framework is is these three chapters are some of the most important in the entire scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, go ahead and start in verse 15. And I encourage you, please go back and read these all and and slow down and read these and see where we're getting at. Starting in verse 10, uh, because you have done this, you're more cursed than all the cattle and all the beasts of the field. This is God talking to the, the serpent. Uh, and on the belly you shall go and shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I'll put amenity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is mm-hmm. super important. Often for in your Bible, what translation do you have?
1: Uh, N-A-S-B.
0: uh in uh the actually it was verse 14 and 15. In verse 15, what is what does that word say? Mine has amenity. Whatever. Yeah, mine does too. Yeah. Okay. So this basically means um uh, Kind of like a a fancy little word, but it's putting hostility between your seed and her seed. Uh, Notice it does not say seeds for for Eve, it says her seed. So this already promises uh, something that one day there's going to be someone who's going to come and crush the head of the snake. But that's also the snake's going to bruise his heel. Mm -hmm. So not only is this man going to crush the the head of the serpent or this seed going to crush the head of the serpent, but it's also going to bruise his heel. And I I don't know if you tried to stomp on a snake before barefoot Austin, (laughs) but they usually try to bite you. Right. (laughs) And, uh, so that's the, that's the image that I'm getting as he's crushing his head with his, with his heel, that the snake bites out and bites his heel. And, uh, already you see the the images of of somebody promised to come later on. Um, any any stopping points we need to get on there?
1: Uh, I mean, no, I mean it, it's really awesome though that that happens right after a couple of verses before Adam was just like, well, it was the woman you gave me that did it. And yeah, Eve true. is like, yeah. well, it's the serpent that did it, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And uh, it's really interesting. It's like they are they have sinned and they're pointing the finger at everyone else. And and God, yes, like He hates sin and He's upset, but immediately comes the restoration. I mean, within the third chapter of the Bible, I mean, you can't, you can't read Genesis. You really can't even read the Bible without noticing that, Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah. I know we're we're fast tracking. There's a lot of, a lot of good stuff to stop it. And just like what Austin was saying, and I know dear listeners that um, probably have questions about that stuff, but again, we want to give you a framework of, of what's going on. Uh, and I know, and it sucks. And I, I don't want to, I want to stop and, and hit these points too, but we will be there eventually. We'll be there eventually when we give you the framework. So. What happens uh, in the rest of these? um, So after this conflict, there's also the story about these two brothers where we see the the first murder happen. And God warns Cain that sin is creeping at your door and wants to overtake you like this raging beast that's going to consume you. Uh, Cain gives in, kills his brother. Uh, We just see the violence of it. Uh, We get all the way to Noah's Ark, and then God actually regrets having humanity because all the terrible stuff they're unleashing on this good world. Only you know, finds one righteous person. Noah and his family has to flood the whole thing to, to try to cleanse the earth away from this evil. Then we see how Noah is actually still influenced by the snake as well as he gets drunk in a garden and some shameful things happen between his sons. Um, then we go to the Tower of Babel where humanity again, uh, sorry, I got to catch up in my Bob, where <laughs> humanity. Uh, they they rebel against God and they have this city uh, where where slavery is allowed and how men are saying uh, they're, they're rejoicing in how bingeful they are than the last generation and leads up all the construction of this tower. Now, if you remember back in Genesis one, uh, God said, uh, you know, spread across the earth, be fruitful, multiply, spread across the earth. Here you have humanity going against that commandment. And saying, no, we're not going to spread across the earth. We're going to build this tower. We're going to build this tower all the way up to heaven. We want to be God. We want to be God. We're going to build this tower up to heaven. We're going to storm into your palace, God. We're going to take you from that throne, pretty much. And God, in His mercy, actually disbands these group of rebels. Gives them all different languages, uh, so the people who have different languages they get together and they go across the earth. So God, in His mercy, spreads them across the earth like they're they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But from this tower," Austin, we have this guy named Abraham, who who comes out. Uh, not Abraham yet, Abram. Later on is gonna be Abraham. Uh, so going to Genesis 12, where we we get introduced this guy Abraham. Do you mind reading verses one through three right there, Austin? Yeah. <clears throat> now the Lord said to
1: Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and so you shall be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in the in in you all the families of the earth will be blessed.
0: You get another one of those poetic promises. I don't know in your Bible does it like kind of separate it from the rest of the text yeah, like it's yeah, set up. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think in a lot of our Bibles going to have that way. Uh again, uh listeners please if you can go along with us so you get you know, you're saying we're not lying to you or anything. It kind of stands out. It's this poetic phrase, and this gets referenced and picked up a lot in the New Testament. Same thing with the Genesis three fourteen and, and fifteen. Um, again, you have this blessing that God gives. Uh, now, before this, there's no mention of Abram, of of anything he could do to earn this. This is just simply given to God, given to Abram, because God wants to use him. Mm-hmm. So we see uh, Genesis one through eleven pretty much it put out the whole scope of humanity, the whole scope of humanity. And the reason why Genesis twelve, especially these verses, are so important uh, is that encompasses the whole humanity. You see what's happening on a, like a major scale, especially with Noah's Ark and the Tower of Babel. You see all these people groups. God is choosing one family, this family line of Abram, and He's going to choose this one family. To do what he wants, he already said to Eve, to crush the head of the serpent. And through him, this seed right now, we we explore in uh, verse uh, 3 of chapter 12. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. God wants to restore that blessing that humanity lost in Genesis 3. So he's going to choose to do that in Abram. This is is really important to pick up on, to to keep in your head and, and focus on. So he's going to restore this blessing to all humanity. And this is the way it starts out. So this whole seed, this this promised person is going to come through this line of this guy named Abram. This is why the rest of the Bible is going to be focus in on this this uh, group of Abram's family that we later know the Hebrews. This is this is why it's not that God decided. I oh, don't know what. I hate the rest of you guys. I'm only going to save this one guy. It's to restore the blessing back to all humanity to be through Uh So Abraham, uh, he does what God says. Uh, Abraham gets along well up into years. Uh, if he ever going to have a child? Um, God, again, reinstates these blessings to Abraham. He's going to give him a place to be uh, where if his family is going to flourish. His descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars in the sky. And again, through his seed, all families of the earth are going to be blessed. So we follow this promised line of seeds mm-hmm. of this these descendants. And it goes to... And it's, it's important to remember, too, the whole
1: time Abraham like living this by faith and it counted him as righteousness. That's the coolest part about the whole thing. Um, To me, it's just like, you know, because it's a wild story. I mean, just read the book of Genesis, you know, it's a wild, but all of it was through faith because it was God who had promised it. And Abraham was relying on that because he was relying on him, the most trustworthy being there is. So as always, when you talk about Abraham, like I I can't help but to mention that the righteous live by faith, like Abraham, how he lived by faith.
0: <clears throat> so we follow this 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 promised seed all the way to this kid named Isaac, uh, and the miraculous conception of his birth. Just like you said, was was by faith uh, in God. And uh, there's all sorts of sub narrative and, and plot conflicts here. And God really wanted to test Abram to see whether he believed in him or not. And also, they're very well past the, the age of childbirth by now. Mm-hmm. Um are very well up into years. This is why uh Isaac's birth is miraculous. And God wants to test Abraham to see whether he really is wants to follow him. Are you going to trust me? Are you going to believe in me. So he asked him to sacrifice his son Isaac upon an altar. And uh, we see later on that Abraham believed God so much. as you see it in Hebrews is that he's like, oh well, even if I kill Isaac, God must be brave to raise him up from the dead because I know God already said he's going to bring the blessing through Isaac. And he gets ready to sacrifice him, and God stops him. Then we follow the line of Isaac all the way to a guy named Jacob. Um, Jacob uh, is is not the the best of role models of characters <laughs> to, to put it to put it lightly. And we're skipping all, through a lot of chapters going all the way to you have to see the exact chapter. I believe it's thirty seven. Not maybe not thirty seven. Not thirty seven. Um, not quite that far yet. Go to. If you see it before me, I'll call it up. Looking where Jacob oh yep, twenty chapter twenty-seven. So we're going over chapter twenty-seven. Um we see the the birth of Jacob and Esau. And God says the the promise gonna go through Jacob pretty much. He says the the older will serve the younger and a promise and a promise he made to Rachel. And you see how all throughout Jacob's life he's trying to steal something that already belongs to him. His name means heel grabber. Uh, so that basically means deceiver. Um, he tried to steal something that already his, and he and he wrestled with God all throughout his life. He ends up going away for a period of time. Um, has his children, and is a very broken and mature man by that point. And he wrestles with he wrestles with an angel of the Lord, and finally he 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 settles down and knows that that God is the one who's going to bring pro- about these blessings and promises. So. Uh, Jacob ends up having 12 children, which is which is really in, important to know. He has mm-hmm. his 12 children, uh, about four different wives, <laughs> mm-hmm. or well, not even four different wives, two different wives and, and two of their servants. Mm-hmm. And, um, again, not the best of role models that they put out there, but uh, he has his 12 different children, and uh, he has this kid, child named Joseph. Now. He favored Joseph, as you may f- have some siblings. You may feel like your siblings get favored over you. if He has some younger siblings. I was the youngest, so of uh, of my family. So maybe I got the favored little there. I don't know about with you, Austin. Or you you're not the youngest. You're the I'm oldest. Older. So yeah. so he he may he may have some experience telling telling us about how it feel to be favored. But this guy mm-hmm. named Joseph, picking up in chapter thirty seven. Uh, he he's favored by his dad, so his brothers get together one time. They go out into a field and they throw him in a well, uh, to where, and then they well they're going to kill him at first, and then it was like, oh, you know, let's be nice and just sell him to some slavers. So they sold him to some slavers. Uh, ended up in this place called Egypt, uh, that I'm sure we all know. It's still a country around today. I mm-hmm. uh, guess sold in this place named Egypt, and he's in, he's imprisoned, uh, but God is with him the whole time while he's there. And since the, the Lord is with him, he blesses him. He's, uh, he's, since he's a slaver, you know, blessing his master family, and then eventually gets some more conflict trouble, gets thrown back into prison, uh, and eventually he rises up to be the right hand of the man Pharaoh. And his brothers, there's a great famine that happens, and his brothers um, need to go get some food, and they come to Egypt to get some food, and they don't recognize his brother at first, but eventually uh, he reveals himself to him as him the bring his father and the father's family. So through through their, their their pain and their suffering uh, through jo- Joseph's pain and suffering he ends up giving life not only to to his brothers and those descendants but also to everybody around him and everybody around him gets blessed because of uh, Joseph's obedience to the follow of instructions of, of God and that and Joseph actually wraps it up to, to finish off Genesis uh, he says that uh, what you meant for evil God meant for good and that's going to be an excellent. Not only summary of what happened in Genesis, but also as we go out through the rest of the Bible, what humanity and that serpent they meant for evil, God is going to use it for good. It's going to bring about the blessing and He had promised, and that kind of wraps up Genesis. And as we pick up in here in a few seconds, we're going to get a little break right here because we've been talking for a lot. Uh, we're going to keep picking up, looking at the life of Moses, and then going to the prophets and, and seeing some more um, conflict tension right there. So we'll be back in just a second. We are back. We um, are back. So this uh, Israel is now names. If that name Israel comes back from that story that we mentioned earlier, how Jacob uh, wrestled with God. That name means he, you know, he wrestles with God. Israel, and uh, you see how that name is going to play an important factor <laughs> in the in the rest of Israel's mm-hmm. Israel's line. So e- Israel down in Egypt, everything is good at first, but then um, you know the Pharaoh comes uh, years later. And uh, he says, I don't like all these Hebrews here. Who's that last pharaoh that let them in? They're gonna rise and they're gonna destroy you. So they start inflicting harsh slavery upon these these Israelites. And uh, but their family it kept growing, it kept growing. God's promise to Abraham to make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky came to fruition. So the more harsh treatment they pushed on them, the the more they flourish and they grow. Uh, to eventually, uh, Pharaoh starts killing all the baby boys by by murdering them in the River Nile. And um, through this, God uh, chooses to raise up the deliverer to save his people out of Egypt. And he he chooses this kid named Moses. Uh, Moses has a miraculous survival in the Nile, Uh, gets put in a basket, gets sent up the river, meets Pharaoh's daughter. Um, After he's raised in the palace, Moses goes on to commit a murder of an Egyptian man trying to save one of his Israelite uh, brothers, Uh, runs off in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, God talks to him in a bush, um, and I'm, I know I'm hitting a lot of crazy stories. All that, all that ones, guys. Uh, talks to him in a bush, reveals his name, tells him he's going to be delivered or save Israel out of Egypt. So Moses goes back, um, him and his brother named Aaron. It's really important. Uh, him and his brother named Aaron, they go and they tell, hey, let my God said let my people go. Pharaoh says, who is the Lord? And God really shows him who is the Lord. <laughs> uh through throughout the 10 plagues, eventually capstoning on this thing we call Passover uh, that where God, um, God spares Israel in uh, their firstborn, but destroys all the firstborn in Egypt by the Passover application of the blood of a lamb on the doorposts. And uh, we're going to pick up some of this stuff as we go to, to later episodes to explore it more. Uh, just to give a brief overview of what happened. So. Um, Israel gets out of Egypt through those 10 plagues Pharaoh lets them go but then he changes his mind tries to chase them into the Red Sea Uh, God splits the Red Sea Mm -hmm. crushes Israel's enemies in the waters and actually that's where you see the first song in the Bible as as Israel rejoices in God and they say what a great deliverance he had so uh, Israel meets God Um, God's really going to make it's going to be so if me and you Austin were going out And uh, we're going to make a partnership. Uh, And I want to be a partner with you. We're going to write the terms of the contract. How's it going to work? What are you going to do? What can I do? What are we going to do? It's probably more closely related to a marriage contract. Uh, Say, hey, uh, between you and your girlfriend, like, hey, you're not going to cheat on me. I'm going to be faithful to you. Uh, I'm not going to abuse you. I'm going to provide for you sickness and health. This is what they do at at Mount Sinai, like writing the terms of the contract, pretty Mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where we get the Ten Commandments from. Uh, And the rest of the six hundred and three laws, they come after the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. Um, Israel is basically agreeing to to live by these covenants, and and God's going to bless them if they live by the ways that God has instructed, and He gives these tablets. Uh, But already the plot conflict it thickens, because as soon as Moses goes up, like all right, these people said they're going to follow you, Lord. Uh, Moses goes up on Mount Sinai, and uh, to kind of describe the scene, imagine deathly thunder and fire coming down the mountain and the glory of God sitting up there. And Moses goes up into the fire and uh, at the bottom of the, of the mountain, while Moses up there mediating with God, the people that are down there, they're broken. They've broken the first terms of the contract and they start worshiping other gods or other god. They, they actually, well, actually they don't worship other gods there. They make a golden idol, uh, a calf in the, and they, and they say, Hey, this is the God that just saved us out of Egypt. Immediately just taking away the first two commandments out of the Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. And, they, throughout the whole book. They, they constantly forget the guy that yeah. just brought
1: them through the Red Sea and through yeah. this and through that. Yeah. And they're like, God, why you leave us out here to starve? And all these little, you know, the book of Exodus, <laughs> Genesis and Exodus are some of the my favorites, uh, personally. But you see all these little stories in between. Um, and they're not stories, they're real life things. And it really shows how we are just so forgetful about who God is, especially right after he does something miraculous, you know, so you see them like, it's no surprise (laughs) that they did that with the golden calf because they're just so forgetful. That's the best way to explain it, but that's the same way we are.
0: And they immediately break this. It's going to sound really weird, but I had a dream of me doing this exact thing before, like that deja vu, (laughs) like of me looking through the Bible while talking to you, while doing this. Um, That happened last year, but that's a little added. I'm sorry. I got off caught. I got off track. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, I was talking about Moses. We were talking about Moses and, uh, the Israelites down at the bottom of the mountain, sinning. And, uh, Moses has an intercedory prayer for God not to destroy these people because they really just broke the contract in front of God's face. And, you know, they just agreed to do this and they, and they immediately broke it. And God has mercy on these people. And, uh, this happens in Exodus 34 to give you a reference point I want to believe Um, yeah it happens in Exodus 34 where God reveals his name to Moses and has has, uh, or reveals his glory to Moses and and has uh, and has that poetic reflection right there and says his name and and says how he's loving and graceful and and kind Um, and again don't forget the main plot conflicts of this you have an evil serpent that's out there looking to disrupt humanity and that 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 serpent hasn't gone away you've seen the effects of it in the people you've seen the effects of it all throughout in every single story you see how the evil gets the people it, and they immediately want to rebel against god and god's going to promise liver to destroy that and it's going to happen through this this israelite family this is why we're doing this not just Oh, really cool! You know, this is a really cool story about people. You want to see God on that? Remember, remember the plot conflicts. Remember the tension. This all that all still carries through. So after uh, after after the Israelites are forgiven, uh, they build. Uh, God asks them to build a tent to where His glory can dwell. That's what we call the tabernacle. So uh, God has these different people who are ordained who can come and be in the presence of God, and He has these things called priests. He actually want to make the whole nation a nation of priests, so they may minister His name. So it's really be a whole people of priests. But among these people, uh, God calls out a family, the family of the Levites, which is one of Jacob's sons, and whom Aaron and Moses are descendants of. So Aaron gets this this uh, this job and responsibility to be a priest, the intercessor. He's going to be a human representative of the God of the people. He's going to be representative of, uh, of He's going to be God's representative to the rest of the Israelites. So it's a two way coin. He's supposed to be both of them, and um, they're supposed to live in a holy life in a holy way. All these sort of rituals to clean yourself and and do whatever because you're going to the presence of of the Lord. And that's what the how the book of Exodus ends off, describing this tabernacle. In Leviticus, we're going to skip over that whole book. It really describes the cleanness and, and the and the difference between how can somebody enter into God's presence. And the reason this is important, really important, is like. Uh, Give you a quick little break, real quick. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> had to. Um, but uh, we're gonna skip to the whole book of Leviticus. But the reason Leviticus is important is because humanity got kicked out of the garden. They're separated because of their sin, right? And uh, since they got separated because of their sin, how can they enter a presence of a holy God again? Oh, this is the way. It's gonna be through sacrifice, yeah. through through blood of, of animals. But it was never really about the blood of animals. We're gonna see how Jesus is gonna picks up the true ultimate sacrifice to bring people into the glory of the Lord and after Leviticus describes in Numbers journey the, the the numbers into the wilderness to the promised land that God talked about Abraham about um Israel fails a lot in that wilderness a lot a lot a lot a lot uh, so this eventually all the way leads down to judges or excuse me Joshua not before uh Je- Joshua before judges so they get into the promised land you see in Joshua and um it. Yep I know we get through, we, Kind of jumped over, dude. Right. That's to, to not jump over Deuteronomy. That's Moses' last words and his last speech mm-hmm. to Israel about actually it is important. Thank you for stopping right there. Uh, Deuteronomy, it, it, Moses kind of talks about how he knows these people are going to fail once they're in the promised land and they're going to get exiled and kicked out of the promised land because of their sin, cause they're sinned because they, they're hard nosed people. They're hard headed, yeah. they're stiff necked, and you guys just don't listen. So I can already tell that you're not going to survive long in the promised land. But when you do get kicked out, God has already made a way to where he's going to restore them, even in exile. So you see, it's not only a plot tension with humanity, it's also a plot tension within God's people. Like how these people in the world is God going to bring his promise of blessing to these people? Because these people are just sinful as the rest of humanity, if not worse, because they have God's commands and all these things to, to live by. So how in the world is God going to save humanity? So you get down to Judges and you really see how messed up Israel is. And it just gets worse. And it's like this spiraling conflict of just destruction and and just rebelling against God's commands and worshiping other gods. And the reason why worshiping other gods is, is, is so despicable is not because God is just insecure or anything. It's when we worship other gods that humanity's failures and flaws really get exposed. Look at the stuff we worship. Uh, these guys don't really change names. They or these guys don't really change, you know, as the days go by. They just change names. People worship money sex power. Uh, you see about the human trafficking we see in the in the money abuse and what it, what does it to lead to? It leads to the poor people getting destroyed by the rich and the power hungry the devouring the poor. And that's that's been the same way since back then as it's today. And you see it really spilled out and yeah. all
1: throughout judges. You just I mean you just see not only just in judges, they're just the whole old testament we're yeah, yeah. up at this point people just constantly it's 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 like rebellion against god and i, I was tempted to say forgetting who god is yeah, but, yeah. but still even in that it's just constant rebellion you know and it's just like um and and, and even they would like like i'm still trying to get over next to this one they're just like god you're trying to make a star he's like what <laughs> you know what i mean okay. like it's just constant like like not realizing who God is, what he's done and just completely rebelling against him. And it does relate and speak a lot of volume to today. Like it's, it's not like people are still people and <laughs> humans are still humans. You know, we're still rebelling God, even when we don't realize
0: it. <laughs> so all of this, this leads to, and I'm going to be skipping over a lot, excuse me, uh, Austin and viewers. Um, uh, we are going to be going all the way to the point where Israel, they want to set up kings. They want to set up their kings. They want to be like other nations, but God's going to use this. So uh, eventually leads to this guy named King David. I'm sure we may have heard of him, guy that threw a rocket at Goliath's head. Heard him pretty bad. At least the second Samuel 14 to where uh, David, he all throughout his life, he was a man who chased after God. He was a warrior. Uh, but David, uh, he he wanted he to follow the Lord, and he chased after God own heart, and he, he did all these things he wanted to, and his zeal for the Lord, and he, as he knew that God had gave him everything, and God makes his promise to David that I'm going to set you over Israel, make you king. Um, David sees all the Lord to bless him with, and David wants to bless the Lord back pretty much. He says, I want to build you a house, Lord, so we can dwell with your people forever, not just this tent that we talked about earlier, but I'm going to build you a temple, We'll make all this construction for the temple. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to build you a temple, Lord. But uh, And he has his own prophet beside him, Nathan. And Nathan says, hey, go along and do it. That sounds like a great idea. And God speaks to Nathan that night. He's like, like, know, that's really good that you want to build me a house, David. Actually, I'm going to build you a house. I want to build you a dynasty. You're not the one to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. And I think I should let the, the verses speak for themselves. Um, where to start at? i start in verse 10. Moreover, I'll point a place for my people Israel, and I'll plant them, and may dwell on a place their own, and move them no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously. Since that time I commanded the judges be over my people Israel, we mentioned that earlier, and called and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled, and you rest with your fathers, I will set your seed up after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. I'll establish his throne forever. I'll be his father and he will be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the son of man. But my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul, whom I removed before you. And your kingdom shall be established forever. and Your throne shall be established forever. Hmm. So there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of words. And to to, to flesh it out, um, David wants to build the Lord, the house. God's going to build him a house that lasts forever. He's going to use, again, remember that seed. Okay, so the promise, it went from Abraham. It went to, oh, actually it went from Adam and Eve. It went to Abraham. It uh, got picked up with Isaac, Jacob. Uh, and we see it in Israelites, and now it's getting picked up. And this guy named David, he says, from your seed, we're going to have a, a throne that endures forever. So we see this guy whose promise to come, is going to crush the head of a serpent. He's going to be a seed from the line of David. And everything points to David's next son, Solomon. But we already know, Bible Bible readers and from just history, that, that Solomon's kingdom did not endure forever. And it says right here in these verses, in verse 14, he says, When he commits iniquity, I will chase them with the rod of men or the blows of the son of man. Solomon did not get beaten with those rods. But we see throughout David's line that his sons are just as messed up as the rest of humanity. Some are really good. Some are really terrible. And they all have their like moments of highlight and the moments of failure. And even David and Bathsheba will be picked up in the, in the next story. David falls and he sins. His son Solomon chases after other gods. And again and again, all throughout the lines, they fall. And it's picking up. I don't want to spoil myself too much, but uh, you're going to see how he gets picked up in Jesus, how he's going to be a person who's really supposed to be on that throne, whose dynasty lasts forever. Who gets chastened with the not for his own iniquity but for the iniquity of her? He he gets beaten with rods of men and the, and of such. And we see as I was explaining, uh, Israel it just fails. It it fails. It has all these promises for him, but they're just as sinful as all the rest of humanity. And Lisa Solomon reigns. Israel splits into two parts. You got uh, what they call Israel and the Kingdom of Judah. Um, the rest of the ten tribes rebel against uh, David's sons' reigns because of uh, just harsh treatment. And all of Israel has terrible kings. They're very sinful. And you get to First and Second Kings, you read all about how, what terrible things they've done, worshiping other gods and everything, and eventually it's the point of exile. Exile is the most traumatic event that happened in Israel's history up to this point. Uh, exile, and it picks up, a, it's a double-layered pattern, because uh, remember uh, the Tower of Babel that Abraham's family came from in Genesis 11 that we talked about. Now you have uh, Babylon coming to exile all the people out back to Babylon. Uh, First comes Assyria and it dismembers all of Israel and destroys them. Then Babylon comes and destroys all of Judah and destroys the temple that they had God in that Solomon built for the Lord. Destroys everything. The land's left bare. Everybody's exiled. They're all kicked out. Remember, Moses already said in Deuteronomy, hey, when you guys do kicked out because of your sin, because I know how you guys are. God is going to still come through and he's going to rescue you. So let's pick up through this prophet named Isaiah, who talked about uh, some of this. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Hmm. Um, so to introduce what we call these guys, the prophets, uh, we call these guys the prophets. Um you there, Austin? No,
1: not yet.
0: Because I'm, I'm not the speed Bible flipper. I was going to get you okay. to. About the <laughs> About yeah, I teach it and I should be good at it. But um, to, while we're flipping there, I'm gonna go ahead and, and explain. Uh, we call these guys the prophets. So throughout Israel's reign and their sins, um, you have these guys and these these guys are kind of like watchdogs, pretty much. They're trying to make sure there's God's spokesman to the people. Hey, turn back to the Lord. Uh, quit your ways of evil. And all throughout Israel's history, they ignored these guys. They were built against them. You have some really, you know, fantastic uh, prophets throughout here. We have their prophetic writing. You have Elijah and Elisha. And you have all these guys that did miraculous miracles and all this cool stuff we think about. But really, their purpose was to bring the people back to the Lord. Not really, uh, their main purpose is not to be these Future seers to kind of be like, uh, what do you call them? Fortune tellers, right? Fortune tellers to like to tell about the future stuff. Anything, yeah, like yeah, fortune. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Fortune, yeah, they're not really supposed to be these fortune teller people, but they're they're these watchdogs. They're like, hey, you know, Austin, you're you're cheating on the contract. Don't do that. Bad. Yeah. And uh, they're they're there to do that. But the people were built against them. Uh, but even the prophets, they they're foretold a future day. Austin, do you mind reading um, verses? 1 through 3 of Isaiah 53, if you're already there. Yeah.
1: Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender uh, shoot, and like a root out of parched ground, he has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him
0: so if if david's line is a tree this is saying that the tree has been cut down it's going to be cut down to the exile but here's this little shoot that's going to pop up from this this damaged tree and carry on the line of promise and all throughout the prophets, you'll get you get something similar uh, explaining how this messiah is coming how what is, is building all these promises up he's building all these promises up and that's throughout all the prophets. And they're really good. You need to go back and read those. But also it all eventually leads to to the gospel narratives. And here we are, we're introduced in, in Matthew about this, this guy. Uh Jesus of Nazareth. His miraculous birth. He's from the line of of he's from the line of David. Uh he has all this aura around him and if you flip open the gospel they're they're showing you Matthew even starts off with genealogy I believe yeah, yeah and this right. to, sh- to, sh- to show you um, that hey this guy he's he's from the line of, he could he could be he could it's be like, the like recapping
1: the old testament yeah, yeah <laughs> like could, what is the old Testament's even about
0: he could be the guy and here and here's a guy who lives different from everybody his reasons for living is different from everybody mm-hmm. um how he's born is different you say, oh this could this could be the guy it's gonna be the God. And he's here to bring his kingdom. He's here to bring God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. He's here to fulfill mm-hmm. all these these promises. So you read in the gospels, you see how Jesus lived this life. A perfect, sinless life, his miraculous conception, the word that he says, and uh in Matthew four and throughout uh two other is it three other is it does when does when Jesus fights against or is tempted in the wilderness, that's mentioned in Matthew, Luke, is it mentioned in Mark?
1: Um uh, not real sure.
0: Have to look not back really and, and double check that yeah. but i know it's not mentioned in john but to, to say that it's mentioned because uh he he's doing it and he's fighting against that serpent that was there in the beginning he's the one who's yeah. gonna crush his head he lives his perfect sinless life yeah. then he then he gets chastised with blows of men for iniquity that's not his own just like the rest of isaiah 53 said he's not a he's not a he's not a person who we're attracted to because of his appearance Mm-hmm. And we all like sheep of going astray. Mm-hmm. We all want to follow our own way, but God laid him on the iniquity of all of us. So he takes all these sins into his body and he gets crushed by the Romans and his Jewish people who give him up. Then he gets nailed to a cross and he dies. And that's our promised Messiah who dies. But yet. God raises him up from the dead. Mm. And. It's like it said and always in the in the in the rest of it, Isaiah fifty three and Isaiah sixty six are such a important chapters and many other chapters throughout. I know we're kind of key in touch on a lot of this, but they're such important chapters because they really highlight and show that God's promises to do exactly what is this. And throughout Jesus' resurrection, he pre he he shows he gives a resurrection life to all of us that we don't have to die in our sins anymore like Adam and Eve. We we'll get a new way of living, a new way to be like him. We trust and believe that what he did. Uh, Romans 10, uh, 9 says, uh, if you believe in your heart that God raised him up from the dead. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord mm-hmm. and believe in your heart that God raised him up from the dead, you will be saved. And this is the message that, that God has out to him. And speaking of that. Jesus also gathered around him, these guys, the 12 disciples. Mm-hmm. And they they went on to do great works, all except for for, uh, for a guy named Judas, who ended up betraying Jesus. Um, but they all go out to do these great works and write these books that we call the letters. And this guy named Paul uh, used to be Saul, and I got saying to, to Paul, he gets miraculous, uh, miraculously converted after he sees the risen Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and he goes from murdering Christians to being a spokesman to the Gentiles, and he writes mm-hmm. much of the New Testament, and you also have the writings of the other apostles, and they really show what it looks like to live after Christian living. And Austin is is um, more familiar with those letters than I am. I'm more an Old Testament guy. Uh, Austin is really good with those those letters, and mm-hmm. we get to Revelation. Yeah, eventually we get all the way to Revelation. That letter really the purpose, and uh, you you kind of talk to
1: uh, yeah. Purpose. I mean it's. You know, you got the Old Testament. Um, you know, you got the Torah, which is the first five books. Then you got the uh, writings. You know, Psalms, Job, and all those things. Then you have the Prophets, and then you have the Gospels, and um, and that just tells the story of Jesus, and it's 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 the whole center point of the of the Bible. And then after that, you have the Book of Acts. Um, and the Book of Acts shows it's right. It picks up right when Jesus ascends, and so. They're kinda of like, Well now what? <laughs> you know, they're like, Well what do we do now? We, we we don't have Jesus anymore. I mean they do because the Holy Spirit comes down after that and then God gives the Holy Spirit that was promised. Um and then in that that's when you have Paul, Paul becomes a Christian, which is Acts nine, miraculous story. Um Paul becoming a murderer of Christians, becoming the great apostle, um, only because Christ saved his life. And um, and then, so then you have all these letters, majority of them by Paul. Um, by majority, I mean the majority of them are by Paul, but in that he is writing to these churches that he ministered to in the book of Acts. You know, the book of Acts tells a summary of him going to these different places, and so now, you know, Philippians, Corinthians, Romans. I mean, they're all written to churches that have came to know Christ because of the apostles' teaching, um, and particularly Paul. Um, really leading that group in that. Um, but then you also have uh, Peter, um, you have Judas. Um, and not only do you have Paul's uh, read, uh, letters to churches, he also has a few that he read to Timothy. Um, you know, and you just have all these things, uh, all these letters, um, and it is all to show like, okay, this is what we do now because we we physically don't have Jesus now. I mean, the whole Bible is used for us to guidance, uh, you know, to guide us, and, and and it really shows the significance the letters do of the Holy Spirit, and uh, because the Holy Spirit is what dwells in us whenever we come to truly know Christ, and so these letters really show the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, but not only that, they show like how He is our comforter and how He guides us and how there's affliction and how um, all these things like it, it really shows the aftermath of Christ after He ascends. But it's not like he's gone when he ascends because it gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. So they really just hit on, like, like how significant the Holy Spirit is. Because I feel like I've heard it said before that we we ha- we have God the Father and we have Christ the Son and we we make the Holy Spirit out like a third wheel <laughs> when it's like the thing it, it's God literally dwelling in us. That's the Holy Spirit and, and it's so powerful. And so the letters really hit on that and really show, um how god is with us and also our mission which is to share that with other people um and it really shows us how we are to present that to other people and how it really just gives us an idea of how to live a life that is abiding in christ um and living that godly life and it leads all the way up into revelation
0: awesome are you jewish what are you jewish <laughs> no i'm not no. jewish either the reason that the reason i say this is because um uh, Jesus was a Jewish man yeah, from the right. from the line of David. And remember the plot conflicts. It all started with humanity, but God was going to use this Jewish family to or you know, Jewish people or Israelites pretty much. So mm-hmm. that's why I say that. Uh so this is it's this Israelite line that Jesus comes from and God's gonna save Israel. And so it's God saved Israel, that blessing's gonna go out to all humanity like he always intended it to be. Right. So this is why uh, I mentioned Gentiles earlier. Gentiles are just non-Jewish people. So right. most of you, would what I'm assuming, um, we're all Gentiles. And how this message got carried across, mm-hmm. which is beautifully done, uh, two thousand years later, we're on the other side of the world from this movement started. We speak a different language than they spoke. Mm-hmm. We're years later in a different, in a different world, but yet this Bible it still speaks immeasurably to us in our own lifestyles, and it's changed and it's shaped us. Uh, I can't really. Speak well, I can't speak for Austin. Austin used to be one way and then Jesus completely changed him. And now he's like a brand new Austin. The mm-hmm. used to be one way. Then he came into contact with Jesus and Jesus like completely changed him. Mm-hmm. And you, you might have people in your life who, who are like that. They call them like Jesus freaks or, or whatever. Like just, we just can't help. It's just this change of the Holy spirit that's done inside of us. Right.
1: And, and yeah. And that's one thing I really, I'm glad you brought that up that I forgot to mention in the letters. One huge thing is, you know, Jesus made it very clear in the gospels. Um, that his salvation was for everyone.
0: Yeah.
1: And I'm really thinking, particularly in Romans, because we're going through it in our Bible study right now, like how Paul is getting, like he's like, I want you to understand, like, this is not just for Jews, it's for Greeks, it's for everyone. Because now you have this problem after Jesus comes, you still have these people following the same laws that they did in the Old Testament. You have people being, just like in the Old Testament, following the things that he used to do. But Paul is saying like, no, it is a new life in christ and it's a spirit filled life and like it's it's freedom and it's and, and like really emphasizing like jesus didn't just happen and like okay that's it like no like jesus is still alive and active today and he was the ultimate sacrifice and um and so you really see those not just in the letters but all i mean you see it in hebrews which we don't know the author of but you see you see it through the new testament really making that distinction of just like hey just just so y'all know like this this spirit and truth as as Jesus told the woman at the well, how it was going to be, comes to everyone. It's not it's not just to um, to Jews anymore, but it's to Jews and Greeks, and it's to everyone who will come to Christ.
0: So remember the the plot mm-hmm. conflicts. Jesus here, the crush the head of the serpent, and the moment he did, and the moment going back to the beginning of our conversation, uh, where he will crush his head and it'll strike his heel. I believe hyping right at the cross. Yeah. Um, Jesus in his death crushed the head of the serpent and the author of of all, everything evil in his death, and through his death, which uh, you would think is his loss, it actually became his greatest victory, as he came yeah. overcame death. It got death got swallowed up by victory in Jesus' resurrection life. So, how does this story end, and what is going to end to? Because we're in the in between phase after Jesus' resurrection. For uh, I'm sorry, very important thing. Jesus ascended after he died, and he promised to come back, and he's going to bring uh, God's judgment ultimate judgment on evil and everything. So we're after the cross, but before Jesus is coming back here on humanity to eventually save us out of our sins. Cause I mean, you look outside, you read the news, mm-hmm. uh, you, you do, you do anything. You realize that that serpent is still at work in people still destroying, still doing evil acts. We're, we're not quite there. Not everybody's a Jesus person yet, but how does this story end? And the story ends with a new heaven and a new earth. Cause all the old earth is going to pass away. And I believe them with the verses speak for themselves. And, um, and, and starting in chapter 21 of Revelation. Uh, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there is no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they will be, shall be his people, and God himself will be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes; there will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying; nor shall be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then He who sat on the throne said, Behold, I will make all things new. And He said to me, Write, for these worlds are faithful and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the Beginning of the End. I will give to the fountain, I will give of the fountain of water of life to all who to freely to him who thirsts he overcomes i heard all these things i'll be his god and he'll be, shall be my son you see how in 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 those little phrases and we haven't even like really touched on or explored too much how all these points in the old testament this is why the old testament is really important you see the word tabernacle you see Jerusalem and the holy city hmm. now these are all plot points that the the author is expecting you to get the tabernacle where i talked about how god dwelling place going to be humanity this is this is where all of it's being fulfilled and all death and all the former things are getting getting overlooked and and passed over, and it's all being uh, summarized. in That and that's how the story of the Bible ends: new heaven, new earth, uh, all death is swallowed up. There's only be victory, and uh, is everything's changed. And this is mm-hmm. the message that we preach to you as Christians, and that's the whole structure of the Bible. Uh, in an hour, <laughs> <laughs> in an hour, and and this is this is way more than more than an hour looking at. So I hope that as you're listening to this, and as that you reflect back on it. Oh, you keep coming to this. You don't have to listen to it all in an hour, but reflect back onto it. You may just want to get a s- skeleton of what's happening and what you're reading. I think this is this is helpful to to just know what you're reading and where you're at. Mm-hmm. And of course, we're going to look into more detail as we get down to the later episodes. Do you have anything? Yeah, uh,
1: just to, I think a good way to summarize everything. Um, you know, you obviously have you have God creating everything perfectly. You have man's rebellion, and then all of the in between up until Jesus is God had started trying to restore his people back to him because of the rebellion and the sin um and, and man can't do it and so that's why God comes as a man to as Jesus shows us the life that that he desires for us to live and only that he lives a perfect life proven he was God and he paid that price of that sin that we we were the ones that sinned but he paid the price for us and so he dies. But he resurrects, and he's still alive today. Because so even after he ascends, his Holy Spirit is given to his people, and he is showing, um, he is he is given this spirit, he's given this faith, and he and he and he makes it. He's God, and he does all this. But he makes it so simple of just completely turning the faith to Christ and repenting of the rebellion that we've been talking about. And when we do that, we come into a relationship with him, and it's a daily relationship. It's a committed relationship. That lasts all the way until you one, you either die, or two, he comes back before you die, and then you get to be with him in glory forever. So just always remember, like as you learn the history and the structure of the Bible, the entire thing, cover to cover, Genesis, Revelation, it is pointing to that one savior, which is Jesus. Because through him is the redemption, and we have no hope. We're still in that sin and rebellion without. Him, and God makes it very clear that Jesus is the reason for everything, and that He needs to be our everything in order to be connected back
0: to Him. Thank you, Austin, for that the beautiful synopsis. I've been I've been using that word a lot, synopsis, because I like it. I yeah. think it's all fancy. But um, we're I'm 22 years old. Austin, you 22? Yeah. We're we're two 22 year olds. Uh, I got saved. Um, not even 10 years ago, I got saved when I was uh, a teenager, 16 years old. Um, Jesus completely changed my life. I'd like to give a, a big thanks to Austin for wrapping it all up there because uh, this is the reason I believe in all of it because Jesus like came into my life and he said, Hey, you know, somebody explained that he loved me. And first time I ever felt that love before. Yeah. And uh, we just like to give a big thanks to Austin uh, for all his wisdom and all his patience and letting me use his his house and, and taking up time from his busy schedule to be able to do this um, and record this episode. And we look uh, but to start off this thing. We had an idea and I, and I had a dream of producing six episodes. We are uh, three episodes in ready to be released right now. Uh, so that's already halfway to the goal that I want to do. And this really is just for you to share the gospel. Hey, I talked enough. I probably talked to you off enough. We're going to wrap up the episode like this. Big thanks to you all listening. Uh, we love you. Uh, I'm going to be praying over this project. and looking forward to in meeting and interacting with you. Again, I'm Demarcus Godboat. Uh, this is Mr. Austin Burns himself, <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend. And uh, we look forward to hearing back from you for more questions. Um, love you guys. Thank you.